electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Steve Grasso, Mike Coe, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Amazon cracking 2000 for the first time ever this week. But the stock is now part of a growing trend that might make it harder for retail investors to get in on the rally. We'll explain. Plus, the S&P 500 closing out its best August in years, and a number of surprising stocks are surging. We'll tell you what they are and if you can still buy them. But we start off with breaking news out of Washington. Call it the art of... No deal. The U.S. and Canada set to resume trade talks next week, a story that broke here on CNBC. Canadian Foreign Minister Christian Freeland hosting a news conference moments ago. Eamon Javers is in D.C. with the very latest. Hi, Eamon. Yeah, Melissa, what we heard just moments ago from the top Canadian negotiator here in Washington is that they've reached the end of the day today with no deal, but they do have an agreement to continue negotiating, and they'll meet on Wednesday next week. Christia Freeland was asked in that press conference about some of the big personalities involved in this intense negotiation. Here's what she said. How can you possibly negotiate with a guy like Donald Trump who says that he's not going to give any ground? That's not a negotiation, is it? Like, how can you possibly make a deal with someone like that? My negotiating counterparty is Ambassador Lighthizer. Uh, and as I said, uh, he has brought good faith and goodwill to the table. Um, as I also said, it is going to take flexibility on all sides to get to a deal in the end. Now, the president of the United States not at the negotiating table. He was at an event in North Carolina today, but he continued to send his message into negotiators and his message up to Ottawa. Here's what the president said earlier. If we don't make a deal with Canada, that's just fine. Uh, but we'll see how it all works out. I say affectionately, we'll just have to tariff those cars coming in. That's a lot of money coming into the coffers of the United States. So something of a threat there from the president of the United States of what would happen if no deal is ultimately reached as these negotiations continue into next week. Meanwhile, administration officials briefing reporters here at the White House just a short time ago said they expect to continue this process. They've officially notified Congress, kicking off the 90-day clock as part of the process here, uh, but they've notified Congress that they intend to have a deal with Mexico and maybe possibly with Canada. Does that pass muster under the statute to do it that way? Officials say they feel they're in compliance with the statute here. Uh, the U.S. Trade Representative issuing a statement today saying that they've notified uh, the intent to sign the trade agreement with Mexico and Canada if it is willing. They say that that language uh, is compliant with the statute. We'll see how Republicans on Capitol Hill who control Congress uh, between now and the election and perhaps after, how they feel about that uh, ability of the White House to feel that it's in compliance with the statute. A lot of complexities and nuance here, but for now the bottom line is no deal today. Negotiating, negotiating continues into next week, Melissa. Eamon, any sense at all uh, as to what the sticking points remaining are? No. In fact, you heard our Stephanie do in the press conference asking uh, the minister what the sticking points were, particularly on pharmaceuticals, and, and they're not willing to reveal anything at this point about where they are on the specifics of all this. You know, 
One of the issues that the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has talked about this week is what they call in Canada supply management. Their large effort agriculturally, uh, rather than to pay subsidies to farmers to control the overall supply that's produced in Canada, uh, they've been very defensive about that on the Canadian side. They'd like to continue to have that process in place. We'll see whether that's part of these negotiations as well. Unclear, really, where we stand right now. We won't see text for another 30 days. And, of course, given that the negotiations are ongoing, there is no text to see right now. Sure. Uh, dairy, certainly, um, probably an issue there. Eamon, thank exactly. you. Eamon Javers at the yeah. White House for us. So if you think a deal is going to happen, what do you do? Guy. Well, you stay the course in terms of the market. I don't know what individual names have been sort of wrecked in terms of the NAFTA breakup, the, Na the new NAFTA negotiations. Autos, auto parts, Yeah, probably. but autos, you know, let me talk about autos. Mm -hmm. Ford and GM have been awful for the last seven years. I mean, GM had a huge move from May into June, went from 35 to 44. It's given it back. Ford's been basically going straight down for seven or eight years. So this has obviously hasn't helped, but a relief in this I don't think is going to make Ford and GM a raging buy overnight. So... In terms of the overall market, I mean, the VIX still says you got to stay the course. The S&P closes effectively at an all-time high. I still think the big kahuna comes in the form of China. And by the way, Dan Nathan did an amazing job at about 9.45 this morning on MSNBC talking about exactly that point. Well, no, I guess the point is really important that, you know, Canada is a one-and-a-half, $1.7 trillion economy, right? And, and it's only growing at one-and-a-half percent or something like that. They are one of our biggest trading partners, but it's really when you start thinking about the EU and China, which have about the similar size of an economy that we do, like if you put them together. And China's growth is the really important one, right? 6.6% growth. If their economy starts to slow because we have a prolonged trade war, then that's the sort of thing that has ripples throughout the market or, or throughout but the global that, economy. Does that give opinion. the U.S. An, a, a more of a leverage? Because everyone says that China can wait, but if their economy starts to slip... Yeah. Does that give the yeah, but so China, Steve, I would, I would put it back be. to you guys. Does does it um, does if Canada, hold, Canada holds out? Does that embolden the EU? Does it embolden no. China? And does this thing go longer? China, I, I I don't think that uh, Canada has any leverage, and I think that the things to buy are the autos. We saw Ford pop, but then it faded again. So it's off six percent. It's the autos, and it's the China trade. You're going to get a little bit of help for the autos, obviously, if some deal is arrived at. But the fact is, cyclical stocks, and that's what automotive stocks are, their cyclical stocks are typically going to trade at the lowest multiples at the peak of the cycle and the highest multiples at the trough of the cycle. The fact that you see these very low PEs, these very low EV EBITDA numbers in the autos, is telling you that the market doesn't think that this huge automotive industry that we've had over the past couple of years is going to continue. And as far as what you should buy, take a look at what hasn't done well because of this news. And that is emerging markets and that is Chinese equities. And if you don't know which name to pick, you could look at either EEM or FXI. So you want to go for the leverage. You want to go for the most bang. I mean, the most beta in terms of what reacts. Exactly right. I mean, deal. look, I, I think our market will probably respond pretty well Favorably. if we get a deal, but it's not going to get the same kind of a pop that EM or FXI would, neither of which are currency hedged, by the way. So that's going to be a double tailwind. For the problem with the autos, too, is that if there is no deal with China, they still face a world of hurt. I mean, we heard it from Ford today when they said that they were not going to import small cars built in China. The tariffs just make it economically Difficult. Moody's also downgrading Ford's credit rating to one notch above junk. So Ford has its own set of issues, even outside of, let's say, reaching an agreement with Canada and Mexico, maybe even reaching an agreement with, with China. And they've had those issues for quite some time. If ever there was a day where Ford should have just bounced in terms of relief, route, it would have been late this afternoon when he sort of saw some, some inklings that maybe a deal would be done with Canada by Wednesday. It didn't happen. The stock still closed, basically, on the low. So, again... I don't know what set of circumstances helps Ford or GM. Now, GM had that bounce 
over the summer. I think that had a lot to do with a lot of things that Tim Seymour talks about in terms of their foray in sort of the Tesla world. But that was given back as well. So Mike but makes a point. Just because cheap valuations yeah. doesn't make them raging buys. I think Mike uh, brings up that point. Maybe we've seen peak auto. So maybe the, the ride share autonomous drive, that's the host of reasons. But I do think you can still see that pop. I agree with you. You should have seen a little bit of a pop today, but that pop was last week or earlier on this week, I should say. And I think you're going to see that again once we see a deal. It will be short-lived, but nonetheless, you'll see a pop. You know, there's another potential headwind for autos, which we haven't talked about. The average selling price of cars has risen steadily over time, and the way that consumers have dealt with that is by stretching out the term of their financing. We have very low interest rates. There is tremendous exposure. The longer those loans get to rising interest rates, on top of the rising price of cars. And by the way, we shouldn't focus on the Ford Focus because it doesn't, they don't make any money selling small cars. It's one of the reasons GM got out of Europe. It's just interesting that you know, we pose this question, what do you buy when this deal gets done? I mean, to me, I think that, that there just poses a lot of risk as this gets stretched out across the globe. It doesn't look like the EU is willing to kind of um, go to terms the way that, uh, you know, they had a handshake deal. Junker came here in July. They had a handshake deal, and Trump says he doesn't like the deal that they cut. And I just think that you have the potential for the EU and the Chinese to be a bit emboldened by the Canadians. I don't think the Canadian thing is that big of a deal. This was a self-imposed deadline. You know, just so they could kind of map a deal. And when you look at the guts of the NAFTA 2.0 that, that they're calling it, it doesn't look so much different than NAFTA 1.0 for all intents and purposes. There's some stuff about auto workers and minimum wages and stuff, but they need to be enforced. And those are sorts of things that have not been enforced over the last 25 years. So to me, it's just a bunch of noise right now. Coming up, big tech heading to the Hill next week. Uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Facebook Sheryl Sandberg set to testify in D.C. next week. We'll tell you what to expect and why some investors are nervous. Plus, Apple just got a whole lot bigger. The tech giant soaring nearly 20 percent in the last month, gaining $180 billion in market cap. And you won't believe how high one of the traders sees it going. And it's not just Apple. Check out Amazon's amazing run, inching closer to that trillion-dollar milestone. We'll tell you how to get long the soaring stock for less than $20. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more fast. Still ahead. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Big Tech headed to Capitol Hill next week. Julia Borson's in Los Angeles with the details. Hi, Julia. Melissa, the Senate Intelligence Committee in a hearing on Wednesday morning will press Facebook's CEO Sheryl Sandberg and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey on social media companies' responses to foreign influence operations. Facebook says we can expect Sandberg to focus on the platform taking accountability and responsibility around preventing election interference, detailing Facebook's investment in a combination of technological improvements and new hires to shut down fake accounts responsible for the interference, and Facebook's collaboration, including with government agencies, companies, and a range of experts. And while the Senate Intelligence Committee invited Alphabet CEO Larry Page, as of now, he's not scheduled to testify. The committee rejected Google's offer to send SVP Kent Walker to testify. Now the hearing comes on the heels of a range of attacks on Google and its peers. Senator Hatch asking the FTC to re-examine Google 
Google's potentially anti-competitive conduct. And earlier this week, President Trump tweeted that Google's search is biased against conservatives. He said in an interview with Bloomberg that the influence of the likes of Amazon, Facebook and Google is a, quote, very antitrust situation. Now, in the afternoon on Wednesday, Jack Dorsey will head over to the other side of the hill for a grilling before the House Energy and Commerce Committee on how the company monitors content and blocks certain users. They'll talk, I'm sure, about whether or not that approach is biased. Now, Melissa, remember when Mark Zuckerberg testified before Congress back in April and there were some awkward exchanges that revealed that some of the senators were not so familiar with Facebook's business model? This time around, I'd expect them to have done a little bit more homework. Back over to you. I will hope so, Julia. Although, if there is a question about, well, Google won't be there, so they can't discuss the algorithm, because that would have um, really revealed whether or not they did their homework. Do you think that this, that even though the hearings are, are really meant to focus um, on, on ads and, and whether or not the platforms are being used um, surreptitious, surreptitiously to influence campaigns, that other topics will creep in? I'm sure other topics will creep in, but I think it's important to know that these are two totally different hearings. The first mm -hmm. one really is about election interference, whether or not there should be concerns ahead of the midterms, whether or not these companies have really done everything they possibly can to make sure there is no manipulation around the midterms and other elections. And then the other question is in terms of what's going to happen in the afternoon over at the House. That's really, I think, about censorship and bias. I think that's where we'll really get the questions um, about whether or not there is an inherent bias either to the algorithms or to the people who work at these companies. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. And then, of course, who knows, uh, anything could be asked. Oh, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in Los Angeles with Twitter, Facebook, and Alphabet all lower today. So are investors getting nervous? Should they be nervous? I mean, do you remember the exchange um, that one congressperson had with Mark Zuckerberg when they said, how do you operate a business where you don't charge the users? And Zuckerberg said... Well, we we sell ads. They, there was a right. complete lack of understanding of what the business model was. So the politicians went to school on it, but I do believe that the corporations went to school on that as well. So I think that so you're going learned. to see you're going to see a lot of it. And their stock prices were already affected ahead of this. So you've seen Twitter demolished, Google not demolished, Amazon not demolished, but Amazon's a different beast. We're not talking about that. Facebook flat. All of these names have already taken on the chin. They've already got the cerebral content that they need in front of these politicians. So I think the worst is over, quite frankly. Worst is over? Not for Google. Sorry, let me just preface well, that. Not I, for Google. I, I mean, well, take, I take a look at basically Facebook's multiple here, which is exceptionally cheap. If we're going to, uh, we could talk about gap versus non-gap. I know you want to do that. But obviously, if we're just taking a look at what their forward earnings are, the way they report them right now, relative to their growth rate, the company does look cheap, which suggests that a lot of the bad news is already baked in. Twitter and Alphabet, I don't think, have the same kind of exposure that Facebook does. And it's no surprise to me that folks on the Hill didn't really understand how these businesses work. They don't understand the nuances of we a lot of We run ads, Senator. That's what he said. We run ads, <laughs> Senator. We run ads. Uh, so here's the thing about Facebook. It's been de-risked. I mean, they guided the street lower. But the Twitter have and come Google, down. have they been de-risked? Twitter could have a whole host of problems, and they don't have the financial flexibility. The censorship issue is one that has not been addressed in front of the, of, well, uh, well, listen, the I, Hill. I think the Google thing, you know, it got hit today. It was down 2% at one point. I have to assume that, you know, probably down on a lot of volume. It had something to do with the rhetoric this week. But I think you go back 20 years and you think about when the government set their sights on Microsoft, what that meant. And it wasn't political back then. Um, so I think Google could 
could really be faced with this sort of stuff, just as Amazon could, just as Facebook could. These guys are talking about self-regulating. At some point, if they don't do a good job self-regulating, there will be regulation. They are just too big, these companies with too much influence. There can only be self-regulation if there is faith, if there's public faith in these corporations. And it feels like the tables have turned a little bit in terms of whether or not the public in general has full faith in these companies to police themselves. I, th I don't know. See, I would say the worst isn't over for Facebook. Yeah. I'd sort of take the other side. I mean, you look at Facebook, they reported earnings, stock went down 23% about 10 minutes. We're sitting here when it happened. It went down to 170-ish. Had a bounce over the next couple of days. Guess what? We're pretty much right back down to the levels we saw after earnings. And that's been on what's been a pretty decent broader market tape. So I would suggest, I think we're probably headed back to levels that we last saw when Mr. Zuckerberg made that comment that Dan just said, 155 or so, because I do think Facebook has existential risk that I don't necessarily think Google or Twitter has. Is it because we don't know the extent of the accounts they, or they need to shut down or the activity that's going on on their platforms? I mean, just because they shut down 600 Iranian, whatever, you know, whatever they did most recently, we don't know if that's... 80% of the activity or 10% of the activity Listen, I, I've said this before, and I'm going to be really activity. quick here. I, I think Twitter has real problems with fakes, okay? Two months ago, they told us that they were suspending 70 million accounts to check yeah. on the behavior. All you got to do is look at President Trump's Twitter follow count. It hasn't budged. So you're telling me that they, uh, they suspended 70 million accounts. We all saw our Twitter followers go down during that period, and he just keeps net gaining that's not happening. Yeah, I, th I think no the, way that's the, only, the only issue is that Twitter will have an answer for it. So they could say that they've done this or they've done that, where Facebook wasn't ready for those questions. So I think he was a little, and he's awkward to begin with. So I think you're going to have a, a different experience with a Twitter event. As far as Facebook, Facebook's made a series of, of higher lows. So I think you might be surprised. It's trapped underneath its moving averages. But you might be pleasantly surprised if you're a long holder. I mean, yes, it could go either way, but it seems as though it's front-loaded and coiled to spring actually on these events, not sell-off. Still ahead. How would you like to get long shares of Amazon for less than $20? Seems crazy, but Mike here has a way to do it. He's going to show you how later in the show. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. As the market sizzles this summer, a number of Left for Dead stocks are heating up. We'll give you the names and tell you if the traders are buying. Plus, video game stocks have tumbled. But one of our traders thinks it might be time to hit the reset button on one of them. And he'll give you the name when Fast Money returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
And it's been hot fun in the summertime for these sizzling stocks have been breaking out right under your nose. Names like Regeneron, Discovery, Kroger, Darden, all up 30% or more in the last three months. They're some of the best performing stocks in the S&P 500 in that time. So given these moves, we thought it'd be a perfect time to play a little sizzle or fizzle. I here's, love this game. Listen up. Here's how it's going to work. So everybody just... Pay, pay close attention. I'm going to name a stock. We'll use Discovery as an example. If you think the stock has more room to run, you say sizzle. And then you'll hear this. If you think it's a little too hot for its own good, you'll say fizzle. And you'll see and hear this. Get it? Everybody got it? I think so. Okay, very good. Let's don't, get started. Don't start with me, please. Guy, we're going to start oh, with you. Oh, Discovery, sizzle or fizzle? <laughs> sizzle, sizzle, means sizzle means it's hot. It's going to stay hot. Fizzle means it's not hot anymore. They answered it for me. Sizzle. So and you we, would trade it. So I would, I would own it, not frown upon it. That's a different game that we'll talk about. <laughs> yes, yeah, sizzle. I think the stock goes higher. We talked about this back in early in the spring when all the uh, all the news came out about mergers and acquisitions. We said, you know what? This is an undervalued stock on valuation. They have a lot of great properties. They finally dealt with that Scripps acquisition. Now Jeffries just came out and put a $34 price target on it. So despite the fact that it had a sort of ish day today specifically, I think this thing can still take out still or no? I mean, is there a take sizzle? Out I do. I do premium. think yeah. there's some takeout opportunities. I have no idea who would do it. I love Oprah Winfrey Network, Food Network. Why wouldn't about you? me? It's, it's hard to bet against content, no matter where the content is. The, the, the environment is always looking for, trying to hunt out new content, trying to fill the pipes with something. So I think it always has to sizzle with Discovery. Obviously, a little setback, but I feel as if all the M&A in the media territory has been pushed off the front pages, and I think once it comes back into "quote unquote" vogue, I think you'll see the stock. You have rally. a valuation backstop. This thing's trading at just under 10 times forward earnings. That's kind of a nice. That's thing three to be sizzles. For right he's got here. a hot. He's sizzle. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to throw you another one, Mike Kroger. Sizzle or fizzle? Fizzle. Oh. I'm going to say fizzle. First of all, I mean the grocery business is not particularly exciting. They have some fairly compelling competition from the likes now of. Walmart, and, and we also, of course, have to still wonder what Amazon and Whole Foods are going to be doing together. Add in some potential wage pressure if they start seeing increases in wages that they're paying. You know, at 15 times earnings, this is not a growth story, so I don't see any reason why I'd buy it here. Plus, we're approaching a prior high. But this should have been killed with every... I'm sorry, guy, you're on the game. No, no, go ahead. Quickly. Sizzle. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to move on, though. I'm glad you said Sizzle and Kroger. It's very exciting. Darden is next. Sizzle or fizzle? It's me. <laughs> That's you. Yeah. That's all right, you. so I can go now. So go, sizzle I'm going to say sizzle. This is all-time highs. So every other stock that we're talking about is not at an all-time high. You want to buy breakouts. This is where you want to buy them. Catacord has a very bullish piece. This could be the best sales since January in, uh, 2015. Sizzle. Darden. Dan, Regeneron, Sizzle or Fizzle, what do you say? Uh, I'm going to say Sizzle, and, and I don't have a whole lot to say fundamentally about this story, but just look at this chart here. As Carter Braxtonworth would say, this is a bearish to bullish reversal here above 400 now. It looks like a really good bottoming um, formation. It's a really actually relatively cheap stock, great balance sheet. It seems like if we ever got back into some biotech M&A and they bought something that people like, it's going up. It's going to sizzle. Time for the final trade. Round the horn. Steve. Square. You know, it was on Guggenheim's best idea list. It's been on my best idea list. It's under $13. Still long at Square. Mike Coe. Energy's on sale. I would buy Halliburton here. Dan. Hey, stick around. OA, we got a special guest, and I'm going to detail a trade how to get long EA. Catching up all night.
Special, really? Yeah, very special. Oh. Guy. Nothing special about that guest coming on, but that <laughs> guest will have a jacket. I'll have my OA jacket on. Oh, nice. Because that's what I do. Oh, I'll do it. They told me last night, you better bring a jacket, Swizz. Yeah, brace yourselves. A wardrobe game change it's coming Discovery. Up. Mama named him Discovery. Very I call good. him Discovery. Options Action's up right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.